following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is the Players' Lounge. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now your hosts, Barry Church, Danny McRae, and Nui Scruggs. All right, everybody. It's Friday. It's that time. It's time to have some fun, uh, laugh a little bit, dive into the Cowboys, and uh, all the things that are happening as we get ready for the NFL Draft, which will take place April 23rd, 24th, and 25th. I'm Nuri Scruggs, your co-host here of the Players' Lounge, along with former Dallas Cowboys players Barry Church and Danny McRae. McRae, how you doing? I noticed you have on a specific t-shirt for a reason yes yeah man i'm i'm doing i'm doing excellent man the all decade team came out today and we had two players on that list and it could have been three but we'll get into that a little bit later because patrick peterson was definitely one of the best punt returners of 20 of 20 of the decade all right church how we doing today man how we doing church we doing good. I mean, I got an empty household right now, so it's real quiet and nice and calm in here. So let's go to work, fellas. How do you sleep in church with a newborn? Oh, I'm sleeping terrible. Uh, she's probably up, you know, every every hour and a half, every two hours. But uh, I'm trying to make it work, man. I'm trying to make it work. All right, fellas, let's dive into um, a topic that I think we've kind of forgotten about because of everything with COVID-19 shutting things down. But the fact that the Cowboys are supposed to be able to start that off-season program a little bit earlier than other teams because of having Mike McCarthy and a new coaching staff. And right now, the facility's closed, not just the Cowboys facility at the start, but all across the NFL. So you guys are former players here. How much do you think this is a setback for Mike McCarthy and also the players of not being able to get this off-season program started? Uh, I think it's it's a huge setback, um, especially for this the offense and defensive side of the ball. I mean, you're implementing a totally new game plan on both sides of the ball. Um, you got your quarterback there who's having contract negotiations. Who knows if he's going to show up or not? And you need him to basically lead this offense, which is going to be a new offense, new terminology, all that stuff that these players got to learn. And that's when you go into OTAs and learn these type of things. So when you get to the training camp, you can hit the ground running as well as on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you have leaders and, and guys like Sean Lee and all those other guys who are learning new defenses and new terminology and how they're going to run things. I mean, I've heard and saw some things that where they're going to implement a new type of 3-4 type scheme in there as well, or some some elements of the 3-4 scheme in there. So these guys are going to have to learn how to play maybe new positions, maybe learn a whole new different scheme. So I think it, uh, it, uh, it'll hurt them a lot to not have this time to start early for this uh, new scheme. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same on, on, on both fronts. Uh, like we talked about last week, I think this is this is helping the Cowboys out because I really don't think, think Dak would have showed up to these OTAs without that <laughs> uh, without that contract. So it's kind of saving face for him a little bit. Um, but yeah, put inputting a new offense and, and having these young receivers and, and people who don't know the offense and trying to learn it uh, virtually is difficult. And we went through this in 2011 when we got uh, Rob Ryan, and we tried to input his thick playbook in. Uh, 
too fast, and and it showed up on the field. We were out there, you know, we're a little little bit more confused than we would have been had we had the uh, correct time to input the plays and do the uh, do the walkthroughs that we would have normally had without the lockout. So, I think we'll see some of that with the Cowboys, and and honestly uh, across the league, because uh, a lot of a lot of those teams will have new guys coming in who won't be able to do those walkthroughs and and practice and learn those defenses and offenses the way that they would have with if things were normal at this time. All right, McCray, stay there because you bring up a, a good point about how you went through this in 2011 in a similar situation. Uh, you look in the NFC East, the Cowboys with the new coaching staff with Mike McCarthy, Joe Judge and the Giants, new coaching staff up there with the Giants, and then uh, Ron Rivera in Washington, new coaching staff. So right now, Philadelphia, the only team in the NFC East that has continuity with the coaching staff and a playbook that people know. So that, that you have to say that gives them an advantage, yes? I would think uh, for sure it gives. Oh, yeah. them, oh, go ahead, Danny. Go ahead. Go ahead, Danny. Now, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it, it gives them a, an advantage as long as they're healthy. Uh, we saw last year that that was their Achilles heel, not being able to stay healthy, but them being able to have the, the same coaches and same playbook. The only thing that'll stop them is uh, the, the new players that they draft and bring in in free agency that will have to step in and learn learn those plays. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there, Danny. I think um, Philadelphia has, you know, a huge head start right now. I mean, they're bringing back their whole team. And, um, you know, hopefully, like you said, if they stay healthy, they, I mean, they're, they're the front runners right now because they already know that scheme. They already know the coaches. They already have a bond, a relationship with those guys. And they've been to the highest level with those guys. So, and they won a division last year with the same type of coaches. So, I think they, they have the uh, the head start right now. But, like you said, they got to stay healthy. I mean, they, they were banged up a lot last year. And um, we'll see if the Cowboys can catch up. All right, the Cowboys have done something that I absolutely love, and they put this out on Twitter. They're doing interviews. Um, you know, they're jumping on the Zoom calls, and they're doing interviews with prospects. And for the first time, they're, they're allowing us to get a little bit, uh, a little taste, small taste of the questions they're asking the guys here. And, and I want to start with Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma. He's a linebacker, and what he said to the Cowboys, and I thought Jerry Jones asked him a really good question. One of the things about Jerry Jones, in case Cowboy fans don't know, Jerry struggled. You know, you think of Jerry now as a billionaire, but he struggled early on. He's always worked for himself. And one of the things that Jerry really has a has a thing for people who have been knocked down who get back up. So this is the Cowboys coaching staff and Jerry Jones with Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray. <laughs> Let me ask one that I, I, I ask it uh, frequently this way. If you can come up with a, uh, a setback, if you can come up with where you had to really call in yourself at any time in your life, when you were young, you were uh, uh, kicked around, what do you think uh, uh, gave you a lot of the, 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 uh, the setbacks or the controversy or the challenge that might have helped you be uh, Football player, you are. Well, uh, you know, situation that I'm that I that I would that I like to talk about, and that's made me who I am on the field and off the field. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's more so a setback. Um, I, I say it's more so a blessing. I mean, you know, if you look at it the way I am, the way you know my family has, it is a blessing. So, um, you know, for me, I learned you know how to be selfless extremely extremely young age how to, what true gratitude is at extremely young age because of what I went through and so um, you know when, when I was growing up um, my mom 
and my dad, you know, they 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 did some things that that were were true acts of selfless, self selflessness. And so, um, around the age of 11, my parents uh, adopted three special needs kids, and um, you know, it's kind of a, a unique situation for us um, because you know the disease that they had um, was, was was extremely extremely rare. Um, only one other set of children had it in the world, um, and so. That that pushed my parents into you know going to 25, 30 doctor's appointments a week um, just to you know be able to get the kids the, the proper help that they need to get them um, you know you know started and, and get them the help that they needed. And so um, you know you know going through all that stuff and that 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 was a time where you know my parents were leaning on me a lot, um, given that I was the oldest. So, you know, I was the kid that, you know, basically, you know, my parents, anytime they needed anything, anytime they needed, um, you know, you know, things to be done, you know, I was the oldest child. I was the one that everybody was looking to. Um, and so, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a setback, I would say it was a blessing because, you know, at that at that age, you know, it really really forced me to be, you know, what 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 you guys see on the field now, which is, you know, the product of a of a kid that's a go-getter. Product of a kid that, that just goes out. Um, and, and just and just gets it for himself. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, I've always been a self-starter. Um, you know, I've never been somebody that, that that needs to be started. You know, I've always been the guy that's, that's been the first in the building, the last one out. I mean, I think that's a direct byproduct of, of just how I came up and that I had to go through as a kid. Uh, and you know, you know, early on, you know, I was, you know, I, I took you on top. Like I raised three kids already because you know you just got to grow up fast. Um, you know, you know, going through that type of situation, and, and my parents, you know, basically, you know, being going from one lifestyle to a completely, a completely other type of lifestyle, and so, um, you know, for that, for us, you know, it was, it was definitely a unique situation, um, and it's definitely a situation that has molded me and, and made me who I am today. Kenneth, as as strong. Thank you, sir. All right, so I love that video. I, I, I knew a little bit about Kenneth Murray's story, but when I saw that and how he responded, I, I just said to myself, man, what, what a great quality guy. And something Jason Garrett used to talk about is, is you know, having the right kind of people in the building. And, and I know the Mavericks, when they draft guys, they always talk about, hey, we want a right kind of guy here. And, and you guys are former players here. When you hear a story like that about a guy like Kenneth Murray, that's a dude that you root for if he, if he comes on your football team. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's a guy. I mean, that's a grown man right there. I mean, that's a guy who had to grow up at an early age. Um, like you said, his, his family adopted um, three children with special needs. And uh, I know how, how hard that is, you know, growing up with um, siblings having special needs. I mean, my sister has Down syndrome now and um, she's had it obviously her whole life. And uh, it, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to grow up like that. And, um, and he had to grow up as, as, a, as, a young, as a young adult. And um, that just shows the maturity level in him. And uh, what also kind of caught my attention was um, how he kind of said he was a self-motivated motivator kind of a self-starter I mean you know these coaches get paid a lot of money to motivate their teams to go out there and and play it at the highest level but if you got a guy like that who can just go out there and, and lead himself and motivate himself to play for the name on the back of his jersey I mean those are the type of guys you want in the locker room those are the type of the guys that you want to go to war with yeah yeah I think I think the story is amazing and uh did Newey just give uh J Jason Garrett some some props on the type of guys I that he brings into the so. locker room 
<laughs> think so. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, that, all right, Nui. Things change during, during the coronavirus, man. I think things have changed a little bit. I think that the quarantine quarantine has you changing a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the guy. I, I love the story. Um, being battle-tested when you come into the league is something that is that – is, like really an advantage, uh, especially when you uh, step on the field with some of those grown men that have been there before, and some of those guys have the same story and they're motivated the same way as you are. So being on that same playing playing field when you step into the league is big. And I think him being self-motivated and being able to to want to go out there and learn things on his own and watch film on his own, I think that'll turn him into a, one of those leaders on the field as soon as he steps into the locker room. So ho- hopefully he's one of those guys that we, we're really looking at and, and, and possibly can get into to that locker room soon. Church, take me back to, to, to you and your sister. So I didn't know this. Uh, Murray mm-hmm. talked about being selfless. Um, how did that translate for you as you were growing up with, with your sister and how your parents dealt with you guys and, and you, know, you at times having to step up and, and become selfless? Oh, I, I had to at an early age just because, um, you know, with, with, with um, um, people who have Down syndrome, I mean, they need more attention. They need more care going through it, through their life. So me at a young age, I had to learn to not be as, as, as you know, selfish. And, you know, I want this toy or I want that or how come she gets this or how come she gets that? I had to learn that, you know, she was born different and she needs more care. She needs more attention. So that kind of made me grow up early as a, as a young man and kind of take care of my sister as well with my parents because both of my parents were working all day. So in the summertime, it was basically just me and my sister there, so and my grandmother. But we had to, um, you know, learn to be with each other and learn to take care of each other. And um, it's it's a huge it's huge to to be able to to take care of your sibling like that who has Down syndrome and who has special needs. I mean, it's it's huge. It just gets it's that that bond that you guys share is it's amazing. Danny McCray, so I want you to give me your thought process on what we're seeing from the Cowboys here. To interview a guy like Kenneth Murray, Kenneth Murray is going to be a first-round pick. If he's not a first-round pick, he'll definitely fall early in the second. He won't fall any further than that. This leads me to think about the Cowboys and the possibility of them playing a 3-4. Scott McCurley is the new linebackers coach. McCurley um, has some experience up there with Dom Capers when they were running some 3-4 concepts with the Green Bay Packers. So you tell me, what do you think the Cowboys are going to do, and do they have enough linebackers? Because right now you check out that roster, a lot of one-year deals We talk about linebackers on this football team. Is this a place where they need to go? Uh, yeah, if they're going to run a 3-4, uh, I believe that, that they will definitely need more linebackers. And I think them inputting a 3-4 will, will get them uh, more versatility uh, as they go in and play. And they have some guys that can play that position. I won't bring up Clay Matthews again this week, but if they run a 3-4, you, you can look at that name as, 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 as a guy, a type of guy that they would want on the team. Maybe not him, but... They need some of those guys that are able to rush. I love the idea of them playing a, a 3-4, by the way. Sean Lee played his best football uh, for Rob Ryan when we ran a 3-4, and I think he would welcome that as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think a, three, a change in a 3-4 would, would be amazing, and uh, we do need to get more more linebackers. Um, I don't know if it would be like, you know, your prototypical linebacker that can, you know, cover and all that other stuff, but if you're going to get a 3-4, I think the ends, the outside linebackers need to be more of kind of like a Von Miller type where they're basically small defensive ends that can rush the pass, so you don't see them dropping back a lot, but they can have the ability to do that. So I say, um, yeah, I would agree that they need a little bit more versatility in the linebacking core if they're going to run some of these elements of the 3-4. All right, then that brings me to to um, 
Zach Ball, and that's another interview they did that they put up on the website. A uh, smaller guy from, from Wisconsin, if you were just trying to run a 4-3 with a 3-4, that, that could be it. I just remember when Bill Parcells was here running that 3-4, they had a lot of linebackers. I mean, they were constantly bringing in a lot of guys, and just when I think about the number of linebackers you have in a 4-3 versus 3-4, Cowboys don't have enough. Right. Yeah, they, they don't have enough. Go ahead, Church. Oh, I was just wondering. So, like, when you say linebacker, are you thinking more of like a Sean Lee type linebacker or like a Demarcus Ware who was considered a linebacker, but he was really kind of a DN? Both. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm calling those guys the D Ware and them. I'm calling those guys rush ins. I I do not. Like Spence, uh, Anthony Spencer and Demarcus Ware were labeled as linebackers. Those guys were rush ins in our scheme. It was very rare that you would see them drop out to cover the flat or, or, or cover the curl. And we we would only do that just to disguise maybe once a game. Those guys are, are rush ins and, and they could play in a four three as a rush in as well. So when I know you're talking about linebackers, but I'm I'm thinking about guys who can rush the passer. I think our, our linebackers that we have now will be good for a three four. We just need to add a little bit of depth. But it's rushing wise, you can never have enough pass rushers. Okay, so Linebackers, obviously, they're talking to I me. Mean, defensive needs are there. We, we know there's a defensive need there across the, the uh, on that side of the ball and a lot of one-year contracts. Another player that I want to bring up that they did a video conferencing with, uh, which I found uh, an interesting player, Raekwon Davis. And he played defensive line for Alabama, one of the best defensive uh, coaches in football. Nick Saban is on that side of the ball. He's won a national championship there. Let's listen to a bit of his conversation with the Cowboys. Tell me, tell me about you getting your degree from the University of Alabama. What that means to you? Coming from where you came from, and talk to me. Yes, sir. It means a lot because you know, as I was saying earlier. I mean, where I'm from, we didn't, we didn't have role models. Nobody in my family do it like ever did it. So I'm like the literally first one that's going to the NFL, um, graduated. You know, uh, just just the first person to do it in my family. So it's like it's a it's a big achievement. Yeah. So Coach Hill's pretty Coach Hill's pretty excited. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. How about Miss How about Miss Mosley? Yes, sir. Good. Can you talk about her real quick? Um, she she was just that, you know, she was that lady that just kept me out of trouble. Like she she didn't care. Like she she didn't care about none of this. She like my senior year, we had like we played Clinton, Mississippi, and um, she suspended me for that game my senior year. And um, she she told me that's when I finally realized like. She didn't. She don't care about. Oh, she just. She care about me as a person and try to best me. She didn't she care about football. You play with a lot of good players. Okay, if you could take one of them with you to be a player on Sunday, now not your best friend. Okay, I'm talking about somebody to help us win. You know what I mean? Who would that guy be to help help us win? Oh, that guy. Uh, I, I say Nick Saban. Well, you take your coach, huh? <laughs> We got a good coach. <laughs> I'm not answering that question. <laughs> you, you just said the wrong thing because he's up next, baby. Good enough. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Great fun, this Jerry Jones. You're not going to be able to bring him with you. <laughs> That's the best way to answer them questions. I mean, I mean, all my all my teammates, man, they they um, they they all can literally play on Sunday. So if that that question is, is, is like just hard. That's a good answer. That was a good answer. 
All right, so that's Raquan Davis of, of Alabama, a, a guy that the Cowboys are talking to. Now, some people are saying they don't like the fact that the Cowboys are putting these interviews up there, that they think that they're they're showing them too much. That already came up here on our, on our Twitter page here. I don't believe it's a big deal because teams all know who talks to who. If you have your 30 visits, everybody's going to know who the Cowboys are bringing in anyway. I don't think it's a big deal. Do you, McCray? No, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. Um do it and, and and this is the time they win anyways it's not like they're asking uh like giving away anything about our scheme or or something we're gonna do in the draft we know that these guys are, are high up on the board and they'll be doing interviews with a lot of other teams as well so i don't i don't think it's giving away anything on our end yeah i don't think it's giving yeah i don't think it's giving anything away on our end as well i mean everybody has an opportunity to talk to these players if they want to um and they're just basically showing or t- asking them you know questions about themselves and their history and how they feel they could uh, help this team. But I had a quick question. On that interview, did he say to help hit this team get to the next level, they need to bring his ex-coach on? Did he, did he say that? Yes. Yes. He did. He did. They just did say that. But, but it was fun because if you saw Mike McCarthy, McCarthy laughed. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and Jerry's like, yeah, you can't bring him with him. So I, I thought it was, it was fun and and also just, you know, this these this is how these interviews go, man. Some of these guys kind of miss on the questions. So, but at least, you, at least you know he respects his coach, you know? I, well, I, I at, least, at least he's honest. I think this also gives gives the fans an opportunity to see who these guys are as well. You you won't see these guys like this again, right? The next time you see them, they'll be getting drafted and they'll be on the team. This is them pretty much raw and uncut, like their job interview of trying to make the team. And I think – the Cowboys showing this is giving giving the fans a little insight into what the process is really like. I agree. All right, before we take a break here, um, everybody give out your social media handles so so the folks who are checking us out here on Twitter can follow us all the time. Uh, for uh, me at, on Instagram, I'll go ahead, McCray. At, at Danny Dmac forty four on Twitter, at Danny underscore McCray forty on Instagram, and I'm checking out y'all in the live feed right now. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's uh, Barry Church 42 and that's both on Instagram and on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Newey Scruggs. It's N-E-W-Y-S-C-R-U-G-G-S. I just typed it in here a little bit, too, right here on the Twitter page for folks checking us out here on the Players' Lines. It's N-E-W-Y-S-C-R-U-G-G-S. And on Facebook, it is Newey Scruggs Sports. Up next, two quarterbacks with some impressive resumes without jobs. Where can they land? Let's dive into that. And Tom Brady explains why he left New England. we got a lot to get to, plus a my opinions on what the Cowboys should do at 17. This is the Players' Lounge on DallasCowboys.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find 
a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws one score september 2019 back to the players lounge All right, Players Lounge here on a Friday. I'm Louis Scruggs, joined by former Dallas Cowboys, Barry Church, and Danny McCray. Later on in the show, we will talk about how the Tiger King, Joe Exotic, got brought up at a presidential press conference with Donald Trump. But right now, let's get into other people's business around the NFL. Late last night, I look up and I see that the, the Rams have traded away Brandon Cooks to Houston for the Texans' second-round pick, which is 57th overall. And I'm thinking to myself, what are the Texans doing? What is Bill O'Brien as the head coach and general manager doing? Brandon Cooks last year spent a lot of time injured, dealing with concussions, and you're going to make a trade for him. You're going to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins and bring in Brandon Cooks? Fellas, tell me, what are they doing in Houston? Go ahead, D-Mac. Go ahead, D-Mac. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I missed uh, – so Brandon Cooks, I'm, I'm glad I didn't get to get a trade for him last year for my fantasy team because he would have wrecked it. I don't know what they're doing down in Houston, which is probably while I'm while I'm living up here in Dallas. All right? I'm from the great city of Houston, but I don't understand what they got going on. Why would you get with D-Hop? For Brandon Cooks, who was injured, he has a concussion history. He didn't produce last year, and this this we don't even know if he's gonna be able to be on the field. It doesn't make sense. And you give it up for a second. What did we give up D Hop for? It doesn't make sense at all. I, I think this would be Bills last year being the GM and possibly the head coach if they don't win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you 100%, D-Mac. I mean, I don't know what they're doing over there in Houston. Like you said, you get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, your leading receiver, your quarterback's number one option, and you, and you give him up for for David Johnson? And I think, what, a second round? <laughs> David Johnson did nothing last year. And then you trade. He was hurt. <laughs> he was hurt all that. Then you trade for, uh, what was, who did you have, Crooks? Crooks? I mean, Crooks. Yeah. <laughs> The guy is a burner. He he can get behind the secondary, but you already got that in, in Will Fuller. You need that guy who's a who's a possession route running receiver next to him, and you had that. You had the perfect specimen in DeAndre Hopkins, and you let him go, and you brought in Crooks, who's another burner. And we've seen what happens with burners. Will Fuller been hurt pretty much his whole career. I mean, Cooks has been battling concussion concussions throughout his whole career. I mean, I just don't see where it adds up, and I think you're right. O'Brien might be his last year if they don't win the Super Bowl, if they don't make a deep playoff run. I mean, I, don't, I just don't see it. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. He, 
He blackmailing somebody over there. I don't know. Something going on. I don't. I, I don't understand. I know the city of Houston is not happy with him. So let's spin this back to to the Cowboys. The Rams, by the way, finished nine and seven last year, and the Cowboys beat them up pretty good at Jerry World. So trying to figure out where the Rams are going, this kind of comes back into contract because the Rams are going to eat up a lot of money having gotten rid of Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks, who they gave big contracts to. And I saw where somebody said on Twitter that Dak Prescott should look at this and why he shouldn't take a lot of money because it means you have to get rid of other players. And I kind of laughed at it because uh, I think Jared Goff is a guy they, you know, well, I don't think they did give a lot of money to. And Jared Goff wasn't out here trying to save anybody money. This comes down to a team and how they decide to spend their money here. I never agreed with them giving Todd Gurley that money because Todd Gurley is a guy who dealt with ACL problems back at Georgia. Why would you invest in a guy who's already been injured at the running back position? I thought that was a bad move by Les Snead with Rams. Oh, I think it was an extremely bad move by the Rams to try to, to give uh, Todd Gurley that money. I mean, yeah, he was a productive player. I think he uh, was up for the MVP running that year. They went to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, like you said, he had chronic knee problems. And he's a running back. They take the most punishment out of any position in the NFL. They're consistently hit. Even if they don't get the ball and they're blocking, they're hitting 300-pound defensive linemen trying to block them. So I just don't think the running back position overall is a great investment um, unless you have one of them stalwart players and one of them once-in-a-generation players that you got to have. I think that's only position that you might be able to pay a, a running back but overall Houston hey, Houston we got a problem that's all I gotta say man <laughs> more than making yeah. mistakes and and that and that comparison to the Cowboys to me doesn't make much sense I can guarantee you that if Brandon Cooks put up numbers like Amari Cooper and if Gurley put up numbers like Zeke did last year they would have found a way to keep them on the team it, it, it just wasn't really all about money. Those guys, they got rid of Ty Gurley. One, he got bad knees, and he was the source of all uh, all media last year trying to figure out when he was going to be able to play. And Brandon Cooks was not able to be on the field. And I think that's those are the two reasons why they aren't on the team this year. Money is one, but I think their production and uh, availability it was was top of the list for that one. Not not necessarily just the bread because they'll pay Zeke and Coop right now if if they were available. Let me ask you a question yeah. real quick. Do, do you guys think that these the that girly contract and all that, does that affect Zeke going forward, or do you think he's one of those outliers where it doesn't matter? He's that good and he deserves that money. He, he's good. I, I look at Zeke as a guy who's been healthy throughout his career, and I think then that's where I go back to the girly deal. Todd was never healthy, so if a guy was never healthy, it was just a matter of time. When you were dealing with that type of injury, and I just think they screwed up. And as far as Cooks goes, there, I didn't understand them paying him as well, considering you had Cooper Cup. And I, and this is just me. I think Sean Sean McVay is the kind of guy where if I'm less need, I, I ask Sean McVay, who can you come in here? Who can we plug in here, and you can win with next? Kind of like what New England has been able to do during the years is is be able to plug in guys, and Josh McDaniels figures out a, a way to use them. That's just my. Nui, this this is this is the uh, example of receivers playing for different quarterbacks because the reason Cooks got paid is because he was in New Orleans, I believe, and I think Drew Brees was throwing to him and he was going crazy. And then he got up there with golf and it hadn't been the same. Maybe he's leading them across the middle too much. I'm not sure, but different quarterbacks uh, will hurt or help the production of, of a great receiver. 
So that's that's one team, the Rams, and, and what they're doing. Tampa Bay is uh, bringing in Tom Brady here, and you guys uh, had brought up the, the thought of just your, you what you felt when Tom said why he left New England. So uh, go ahead. And that, oh, I definitely think, you know, Tom, I believe Tom left just because – one, I think his he done all he could for New England. I mean, 20 years, six Super Bowls, nine appearances overall. I mean, he, he's overall the GOAT in New England. So, I mean, pretty much he's the man there. And he, he I think he wanted a fresh start. I mean, contrary to belief, I think he did think that, you know, Bill Belichick was kind of getting all the credit or that he didn't want to share the credit with Bill Belichick. He wanted to see if he could do it on his own. And I think he deserved that right. I mean, 20 years, six bowls. If he wants to see if he can do it on his own, go ahead right to you. I think he went to the right place in Tampa Bay. I mean, they're loaded offensively, so I don't think he'll take a dip. I think he'll actually do better this year offensively than he did last year. But I think he just wanted the, the opportunity to do it on his own, see if he could do it on his own. And I think he deserves that being the GOAT. Yeah, and him, like, I feel like he felt slighted uh, somehow up there. They'll never tell us the real story because they're professionals and they keep that to themselves and they do have a respectful relationship. But for him to say that he felt like the writing was on the wall at the beginning of the year before it even started, so he knew something. He's been there 20 years. He knows how to how to fill out the temperature and the vibe there. And if he felt that way at the beginning of the year, there were some signals and signs that he was picking up on from Belichick I don't believe it was Kraft. I think it was Belichick uh, that, that he picked up on, and he just knew that that was the end for him. So I, I know it's something more there, but with them being the professionals that they are and having that relationship that they've had for so long, we'll never get it out of them. But so we just here to speculate. I, I I just think it was a little bit more than more than what they what they led us to believe. I'm telling you that book's coming out. Give it about as soon as he retires, about two years. TV twelve, right. the true stories. It's coming out. The true stories is coming out. I'm you. It's, it's gonna be a thirty for thirty, or he gonna, It's gonna be uh, exclusive to the book. Yeah, right. I'll read it, I'll read it too. Absolutely read it. So, what do you make of those new Tampa Bay uniforms? So, Tampa Bay and Atlanta unveiled new uniforms. This I saw the. I saw. <laughs> They had a picture of uh, they showed him it was the um, that movie The Longest Yard. Yeah, The Longest Yard. (laughs) (laughs) They look just like the uh, the prisoners' outfits on The Longest Yard. They look exactly the same. Yeah, whatever. More power to them. They are what they are. I I like the ones that they had previously. So, so McCray, that was the Carolina Panthers website. So they crack back on them, and then you should, you know, so you, you look at a person's laughing in the background, and then it, they show the Atlanta uniform, and then it, it, it goes into that reveal of Adam Sandler in the new Longest Yard movie. But that was the Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah, my bad. Whoever runs their social media, they, they got the belt for that one. They got they got the championship for that man, one. <laughs> these, these, these handles for these teams, man, they're getting more creative and a little bit more bold as we move out, move on through the years, man. Because just, just like you see with, like, the Whataburger messing with McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and all that, this stuff is, like, now coming over into the NFL. And I think it's good for it's, – it's good entertainment for us, man. It, it, it was it was funny. That was probably one of the one of the times I laughed out loud during this during this lockdown. <laughs> I mean, to be completely honest, those, those those uniforms are terrible. I mean, Tampa Bay is all right. I mean, they, they kind of kind of a throwback to them, but Atlanta. I mean, that looks like like a Fubu shirt. Remember Fubu back in the day? They had a Fubu, 
looks like a FUBU shirt, man. That thing is terrible. It's terrible. It's not. It's not good. And I just, I just think about how many people had to sit in that room and give the okay. So, so I, I, like, yeah, this, this is uh, you gonna kill them with this one. This is fire. I'm telling y'all. This Wait is, till y'all unveil these. This is it right here. We gonna kill them with this one. Let's do this unveil video. Let's do it. <laughs> And then, and, then you, and then you go on Twitter and you see the Carolina Panthers dogging you like that again. All comments and laughter out of it. Oh, man. Putting the ATL lettering on the jerseys, I thought was just, I, I thought that was college I was like, this, this is not college. Putting your names out there like Cleveland did there. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, like, I didn't like either one. I didn't like Tampa's or Atlanta's. I, that was just me. Everybody want to be innovative, man. I agree with you, man. <laughs> Not good choices. They should be fired for that. Not good choices. I'll I, I tell you one that won't change, and that's the Cowboys. On the Players' Lounge, the all-decade team for the 2010s comes out. The Cowboys with two players on there. Tyron Smith at the tackle position. Zach Martin at the guard position. And for both men, uh, this is a great honor as they have built Hall of Fame resumes, and there's still more to their careers, but when you start talking about trying to get in that room in Canton, Ohio, where the writers make the votes, they do look and see, have you made an all-decade team? So, Zach Martin tires with this is a feather in their cap, as well as everybody else who ended up making that 2010s team. McCray, I know you wanted to talk about this topic, and you were very happy that two of your, your LSU Tigers made the list. Yeah, man. Um, you know, shout out to the Honey Badger. He he changed the game with the with the uh, with the with the golden mohawk. Oh, McCray. He's, oh, McCray. oh, am I gone? <laughs> no. I can hear Danny a little bit. Can you hear me now? All right, All right Church. Church, you go ahead and pick up here. All right, I'm I'm gonna give you an honest opinion here. I think they got it completely. Wrong. I mean, I think they missed out on two players who needed to be in this all-decade team. And one, of course, I think it had to be Drew Brees. I mean, it's 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 a tough comparison with him and Aaron Rodgers, but I think you got to give Brees the, the nod on this one. I mean, they, they've had, you know, MV, MVP seasons. They both won a Super Bowl. Um, Rodgers won his within the 2000 and 2010 decade or whatever, but they're both one-time Super Bowl champs. They're both great players, but I think you give Breeze the nod. And then secondly, I think you got to – where was I at? How did I not make this all-decade team? I mean, I, I played I played in the league. I played for the Cowboys seven years. I thought I was a great safety. I needed to be on this all-decade team. They missed out on me. I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset. What can I say? Take me back to this quarterback situation. Yeah. Oh, you just go. You just go erase this. <laughs> I mean, really? How do you take Breeze ahead of Brady during the 2010s when you consider all the Super Bowls and AFC Championships games that that Brady played in? Oh no, not Brady. I'm, Brady's a lock for sure. I'm talking about <laughs> okay. Rodgers. You take Rodgers I'm, off? Okay. Ooh, nah, man. Are we back? Can y'all hear me now? Yeah, we got you during the okay, 2010s. Right. During the 2010s, Rogers. I know it's close. He did. He so, did. He did. And an MVP. Breeze has never won an MVP. I just think <laughs> when you look at it overall, I just think overall from 2000 to 2010. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. I'm just going by the eye test. I just feel as though Breeze made more of an impact. Than, uh, than Rodgers did. Um, but granted, I will give you this. Breeze, I feel like, did play with more talent than Rodgers did. So you might be swaying me a little bit here, Nui. I, I'm still going with Breeze, but now that I'm looking at the talent factor, I mean, he had Michael Thomas. He had Alvin Kamara. I mean, 
Jimmy Graham in his prime. So I, you might be swaying me here, Nui. You might be swaying me. I mean, during the 2010s, while while Brady was putting up, you know, he was doing championship-like things, there were a lot of times where he was just saying the best quarterback was Aaron Rodgers. And, and while Breeze has been playing high-level football, for most of the decade, people were saying Rodgers was the top quarterback in the game. Are we just saying that just because of, of arm talent wise or actual like he was putting up those those numbers to back up the arm talent? I would say the numbers and, and also the 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 wins. I mean, he they, they did a lot of winning. I mean, you look at Mike McCarthy. I mean, they did a lot of winning with Aaron Rodgers up there at Green Bay. The big criticism was that people were saying that they needed to do more. Uh, more winning, which is kind of unfair also, when you think about That was the same thing you should have said about Breeze and, and Sean Payton. They also won on the road uh, with, with Aaron Rodgers, and Breeze, Breeze didn't do that as much. Okay. This is true. Right. This is true. This is true. I, I'm going to agree to disagree. Uh, they're both phenomenal players out there, but I'm going to have to lean towards Breeze on this one. Okay. Now, I got – I got to finish giving my shout-out to the Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson for making the All-Decade team. Shout-out to the Cowboys that made it, but those LSU guys made it. They changed the game, and Pat Peterson could have been on there twice because Church remembers when we got into the league, this guy was one of the most dangerous punt returners that we had seen of, of our time. He was he was doing the Deons, he was scoring touchdowns, and nobody wanted to kick to him. So shout-out to those guys. Shout-out to the Cowboys. Go Tigers. He was he was definitely a electric as hell back there returning. Um, but I have a question. Did Matthew Slater make make special teams all decade team? No. Uh, now, to me, that's a crime. He's been a pro bowler consistently. He's obviously one of the top special teams players to ever play the game. I don't know how did they have, make it. Did they have a slot for that, though? Because I only saw punt, punt return and kick return and kickers. Did they have a right. – like? I don't think they had a slot for just uh, like they do at the Pro Bowl where you just get oh, a okay. for being special teams. But no, he would have been did. on there. They did not. All right, we got to take another break here. But when we come back, um, I'll get into to the 17th overall pick for the Cowboys and where I'm leaning, uh, where two very successful college quarterbacks who are now without teams, uh, now without pro teams, we'll dive into that. And also, uh, President Trump being asked about pardoning the Tiger King, Joe Exotic. This is the Players' Lounge on DallasCowboys.com radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. 
based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Players Lounge right here on DallasCowboys.com. We do it every Friday at 11 a.m. Central. I'm Dewey Scruggs, joined by former Dallas Cowboys players, Barry Church and Danny McCray. Let's get back into the National Football League. And two guys who won Heisman trophies and national championships were both the first overall picks of their draft. Jameis Winston and Cam Newton are both out of work. Jameis Winston posted a video of himself doing a workout, and David Carr cracked back on him saying this is why you should not have your friends working you out that he should get a real trainer and Jameis fired back uh, that this person has been his trainer since he was 14 they had a whole lot of success and said look I respect you but if you don't have anything positive to say you might as well just leave me alone so <laughs> I, I thought that was a, a, a smart comeback by Jameis to basically tell Carr to stay out of his business but where do you guys think Cam Newton and Jameis Jameis Winston land. Are they starters? Where do you think they'll go? Church, you fire off first. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm going to start off with Cam Newton. Uh, I think Cam got a little bit better of an opportunity than uh, Jameis Winston does to get back into that starting role um, pretty uh, faster than he would have. Um, he's a former NFL MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's had success. And a lot of these, his downfall these past couple years, a lot can be blamed to injuries. I mean, he had injuries to the shoulders, you know, the ankles all banged up. So I think if he can rework his playing style, you know, get get out of bounds more or slide more or get a ball out of his hands a lot quicker, then I think he'll have a better opportunity of being a starter somewhere else. Um, Jameis Winston, um, he you know, he's a gunslinger. He is, it is what it is. He throws and throws and throws. But I think the problem with him is he turns the ball over way 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 too much and I think it makes coaches uncomfortable even having him back there you know throwing the ball because you never know what's going to happen he had his Tampa Bay defense in the worst uh, field position throughout the whole NFL and that's because of his turnovers not only did he throw 30 interceptions but I believe he lost five or six fumbles as well so here's a guy that just is a turnover machine happening and I think he might be able to stay in the league as a backup type role maybe spot game here and there but I just think coaches overall do not want that type of quarterback back there slanging throwing interceptions like that but Cam Newton overall I think he has a, a better opportunity to get back in that starting role but he has to get healthy first and once he is I think he'll be one of the better quarterbacks in the league yeah same here I, I don't know how many people are going to touch Jameis Winston with with those interception problems he will be a backup guy he'll make some of the easiest money in the NFL as those backup quarterbacks do like Chase Daniels but I, I don't see anybody taking that risk uh, of having their job on the line by picking up Jameis Winston um, 
Cam is definitely going to be a starter uh, somewhere. Just not sure where. Where's Where's Ron when you need him? Uh, it could Could it Could it be Washington? I'm I'm not sure, but I know somebody no, it will. will, not be will Washington. It will not be Washington. It will not, not be Washington. Washington's got 22 million. They got to pay Alex Smith. They got Dwayne Haskins, who the owner loves, and they just traded for Kyle Allen. There's no way Cam is going to go up there and sit on the bench. So no way he ends up in Washington. No way even Tua Tagovailoa at number two in the draft ends up in Washington. They are set right there at the quarterback spot so, because of money and also just because of, of the owner's love and desire for Haskins. Very strange. Uh, Cam will be a, a starter. I'm just I'm just not sure where where he fits in it, but he is head and head and heels uh, above Jameis in this in this race and somebody will give him a shot and I think he'll he'll be a star when he does it just put him in that position where he can be dangerous with his legs and his arm again and, and I think he'll be successful alright another uh, top guy you, oh, go, ahead, go ahead no 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 church hit, hit, hit it church I was going to say you know before I thought he would have had a great landing spot in Chicago but you know they they went up there and got Nick Foles, so uh, I'm not quite sure where he would be able to land. Um, you know maybe as you know I'm not quite sure. I mean it's it's, it's going to be a tough <laughs> one for him to land because there's pretty much in every NFL team. I mean there's kind of a solid guy back there. I don't really see too many openings up left for him, so he might have to slide in there as a backup and then uh, take control of the starting role. You know later on in the season, but we'll see. Washington does not have a solid guy, but the, but the owner loves him. <laughs> the the owner and, loves and that, him. And, and, and we know how these things work with owners, okay? I mean, I remember when, when, when Bill Parcells first took over the Cowboys, Jerry Jones said, hey, look, I got Quincy Carter and Chad Hutchinson. I'd like to, for you to see what the what these guys can do. And Bill said, okay. Then after a year, Bill was like, I'm done. <laughs> he brings in Benny Testaferti. So yeah. we, we know how owners have sway in this. Uh, Jeff Fisher wanted Matt Leiter, and the owner said, we're taking Vince Young. So th- there you go. That's how that happened there. Let me switch this back into the Cowboys from an Alden Smith standpoint. Cowboys signed into a one-year deal. Jay Glazer worked with Alden Smith, and Alden Smith told him yesterday this was the low point for him in his football journey. What was rock bottom for you that you realized you had to make a, a change? Uh, um... I would say 2018 was a tough year. And in that year, you know, I was, I was in a really dark place and I didn't, you know, have a lot of value for how I thought about myself. So I was, you know, when I was in the, in the bad spot, you know, it got bad, pretty bad. You know, I was sleeping under a car for some nights because like my, my sickness took me there and I had a home to sleep in. But I was in such a dark place that um, I didn't see myself deserving anything other than that. Wow. So you went from sleeping under a car to signing with the Dallas Cowboys. It's, it's unreal. Tell people, obviously I know uh, how you got connected with them, but I don't think the world does. Tell people how the Cowboys first entered the picture uh, in January. Yeah, so at um, your gym, uh, Mike McCarthy came and um, we visited and I had and I had played against him when I was, you know, in San Francisco and he was in Green Bay, but that's as far as we had, you know, had contact. But when we met, it seemed like we had known each other. And, you know, yeah. that was really important to me because going through this process, I wanted to surround myself with people who I felt 
that connection with. And I felt like he, you know, genuinely cares about me and just what, what I, what I'm trying to do and just me as a man. And um, that was really important. All right, so Alton Smith is still yet to be reinstated by the NFL. Same thing goes for Randy Gregory. Bill Parcells used to say, all I can go by is what I see. So, fellas, from what you've heard so far from Alden Smith, has it changed any of your thoughts about it? Because last week you both said you, were, you weren't down with this. I uh, would have to give that a no. Uh, no. Like I said, nothing against him. The proof is in the pudding. That's that's the one of the oldest sayings. And, and, and until he's thrown into that fire of being in the limelight and being around the team and having the opportunity to go – do the right thing or do the wrong thing and being put in those situations and making the right choice, then I'm I'm just I'm stuck where I'm at. I, I have high hopes for him. I hope it works out for him. But until I see it, then you know I, I don't want to be fooled by saying I think he's he's 100% changed. And then as soon as he gets out there, something goes wrong. So high hopes for him, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna agree with you 100 uh, percent on that one. Day I got high hopes for him, but like you said, we haven't seen him be thrown into the fire yet. I mean, what happens when he gets down here? And Dallas is it's a big city. I mean, there's a lot of lights going on. There's a lot of things to do at nighttime. He hasn't been thrown in that fire in over a year, so I want to see what happens when he when that when that presents itself to him. Also, what if this team is having a lot of success? What if they're he's, he's and he's one of the reasons they're having success. He's on a double digit sack tear. He's going crazy. And then all the media and all everybody kind of, oh, oh, then we want a piece of you, all oh, that we want to. That's when I want to see, is he is he still going to be as calm, cool, and collected as he is in these interviews and still have that same mentality? I hope so. I mean, I'm all about, you know, giving second chances, even though this is probably his 10th chance. But, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all about giving, giving second chances, and hopefully he's able to take advantage of this, seeing as though he has been blessed with the ability to come back to the NFL. A lot of people will wish they were able to come back to the NFL after four years, but, you know, he's been able to have that opportunity, so I hope he doesn't waste it. But um, we'll see when, when it comes down to uh, nut cutting time. Jim Tom Sula is the Cowboys' new defensive line coach. He worked with Alden Smith in San Francisco, and the assistant defensive line coach is Leon Lett, and Leon Lett has uh he's a guy who can talk to Alden Smith and, and truly say to him I understand uh a little bit of your challenge here because of what he went through in his career so when you're talking about a support system there's at least two guys there who can offer that to, to, to Alden Smith the NFL draft is April 23rd 24th and 25th teams are going to have to draft at home they cannot be at the facilities here the Cowboys hold the 17th overall pick there are more and more mock drafts out there Fellas, you know I do not want any parts of a Cowboy wide receiver at 17. I don't want any parts of a Cowboy wide receiver in the first, second, or third rounds. I believe they need to be all defense. They did bring in T. Higgins for a video conference interview. Uh, look, fellas, I I'm not going to play it because I know we're up against the clock here, so I won't play T. Higgins. But you guys, you can't want a wide receiver. Who's going to cover somebody on this defense, fellas? Uh, you're completely right. I mean, you, you, you can't take a receiver. I mean, you have – two bona fide proven receivers on the outside and Gallup and Cooper and I feel like you can find you don't have to waste a first round draft or a first round pick on a slot receiver I feel like you can find a slot receiver later on in the draft if that's what you really want but I mean you got two bona fide guys on the outside you got a tight end that I think can have a breakout season as a passive catcher so I just don't see the reason to go offense first uh, for me I would go I would go defense and that and specifically I would go in the secondary I would try to go after the 
Alabama cornerback. I think his name was Tavon. I want to say Tavon Wilson, I think, or Tavon Diggs. It's I think. Diggs. It's yeah, Diggs. Tavon Diggs. Stephon Diggs' little brother. Yep, Tavon Diggs. He's, he's a he's a prototypical corner out there. He's big. He's rangy. He can run with anybody, and he's physical. And he's had that secondary coach from Nick Saban, who's 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 known to be one of the best defensive back coaches in the world right now. So I think it's, that's one of the picks if he were to be there for them to pick up, but definitely not a wide receiver. Yeah, I, I would go defense, but I mean, I I wouldn't fight as hard uh, as as Nui is going against offense. I mean, the the formula shows that if you can out. Goodness. So my thing defensively, Church, I go back to this. You start looking at contracts. There's a lot of one-year deals on this team. Outside of Anthony Brown, your safeties and, and corners are all free agents after 2020. You look at your, your linebacking core. Joe Thomas is on a one-year deal. Sean Lee is on a one-year deal. Van Der Esch has got a neck issue, and, and you did sign – Jalen Smith to a long-term deal. So you have issues long-term at the linebacking position. Gerald McCoy on the D-line, that's a one-year deal. Don Terry Poe, it's a two-year deal. They possibly could get out after one year. And who knows how long Crawford's going. So when you talk about the defense and having guys here for multiple years right now, we don't see a lot of that at all three levels. That's why I think you've got to go first round because that gives you five years for a player. And then you start talking about the second and third rounds. This is four years. I mean, they got to replenish themselves long-term defensively for this team. Oh, I think you're. I think you're right. You're right on the money. I think eighty percent of this. I think maybe one or two picks later on, maybe to the offense, if that. You know, maybe just one. But you gotta address the defense. Like you said, we lost a lot of key pieces in free agency. We lost Quinn. We lost Byron Jones back there. We lost Jeff Heath, who was a quarterback at the secondary. I mean, we have a lot of defensive players that we have now, or just like you said, under one year contracts. So if you want that stability, if you want that championship window, I think to expand for more than just one or two years. I think you got to address the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I think you're pretty much stuck with what you got, and I think that's really good with what they got on that side. So I think you gotta you got to look at this defensive side of the ball and try to figure out how to get some picks in there and get some long-term guys that can pretty much produce for this team. A lot of good comments on the on the 17th pick here on, on the Twitter webpage as I'm just looking here as we're broadcasting. And there's some people saying, look, don't take Diggs at 17, you trade back. Barry, here's always been my issue with the problem of trading back. Every time you trade back, you're trading away from good players. But the whole thing about it in terms of trading back, who's to say that Diggs is going to be there? You know, you can say, well, maybe 17 is too high. You want to go to 24. But what if the Raiders at 19 want Diggs? I mean, there's other teams that are going to look at these quarterbacks and say, look, we need help as well. So I don't know if the Cowboys are in this great position where fans always think, let's trade back, let's trade back. If you like a player then you take them. The Cowboys right now need help at the corner position. Cheeto Wuzier is your number one guy. I don't know how comfortable Mike Nolan is with that. I do think they need to invest in a, in a five-year, because that's what you're going to get with a, a first-round pick, in five years in a, in a quarterback. And trying to trade down and hope and pray that, okay, maybe you like Diggs and he's not there. Does that mean you're going to take Gladney? I, I just think if your guy's there at 17, take your guy and move on. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. I think uh, 100% with draft. If you like a guy and he and you think he can help your team from the jump, I think you got to get him. I think that's all what the first round is all about: getting guys that can help produce your help produce on your team immediately. And I think you need that on the defensive side of the ball, especially at the cornerback position. Like you said, we have a Wuzier there, but he struggled last year, especially on 50-50 jump balls. I don't think he was able to pretty much keep up with a lot of the receivers out there. So. 
I think we need somebody else in there to play at that cornerback position. Like you said, we have Anthony Brown and we have um, Jordan Lewis in there at the slot, but I think he's a much better slot defender than he is outside corner. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think they got to go corner here and not trade back. If you like Tavon Diggs, if you like where he is or one of the other cornerbacks where that is, I think at 17, you got to go grab him. Don't trade back because like you said, you're moving away from um, good players and people and, you know, teams that are ahead of you, they might be able to snag those players up. So we'll see. Yeah, and look, if you stay in the first round, you, you're at 17, you're going to be able to get a top corner if you want one, be it Diggs, be it Gladney. C.J. Henderson may go. A lot of mock drafts have C.J. Henderson going uh, one spot earlier to the Atlanta Falcons, kind of like what the Falcons mm-hmm. did a couple of years ago, taking Tack McKinley ahead of the Cowboys, and, and uh, the Cowboys yeah. were forced to take Taco Charlton. So, but the but the Falcons have some of the exact same needs that the Cowboys do when you're talking about um, D line, uh, defensive back. Look, if Javon Kinlaw of South Carolina happens to be there 17, I run and I go get that guy. I mean, Javon Kinlaw, if you haven't read his story at all, I mean, this is a guy who grew up homeless, who can really push the pocket big. Um, this is a this is a difference-making player, but because of the medicals, I've talked to a couple of scouts and people who follow this, his medical, some teams may not take him because with the uncertainty and not being able to check players out yourself and not being able to go do the second opinion on the medicals after the combine, there could be some people who decide to pass on Kinlaw. So he could fall to the Cowboys, maybe at 17. I'm telling you, if he is, you take it because he's one of the top six players in this NFL draft based off of Billard. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, man. If, he, if he's there, like you said, he is a beast, and he's one of the most productive pass rushers in the in college football and in this draft. And I think if he's healthy, if you can get a second opinion, I mean, you got to go. You got to take a chance on him. He's one of those great players that you don't want to pass up, and you don't want to risk him uh, causing you harm later on in, in his NFL career. I mean, Ken Law is, is oof, boy, you put that guy up there, he can play some three, he can play some five tech, he can play a little more. I mean, this is, this is a difference-making guy. And, and one of the things the Cowboys have got to do is figure out how to get more sacks and, and, and get more turnovers on, on this football team. Who I don't know the how knocks on him. Uh, look, it's the knee. It's the knee. Uh, but and here's the thing. Church, if it's not for the health issue, you're never going to get to him at 17. So that's kind that's of true. He's a healthy guy. He's, he's a top He's a top five pick, uh, definitely a top 10 pick, no doubt. But that's one issue here with so much uncertainty with what we've been dealing with the COVID-19 that you could see a player like that fall. And w- one thing we know we see every draft, there are going to be players who fall for whatever reason. And if you're lucky enough, bam, you can sit there, maybe take that shot at Javon Kinlaw and if Jim Tom Sula feels comfortable with him and Mike Nolan then, then the Cowboys may decide they want to want to take that chance and try and build their team more on that D-line and then try and maybe get a, a corner in the second round and, and, and take their, their, their chances there. Uh, President Trump was asked if he would pardon Joe Exotic, the guy for the Tiger King Netflix documentary series and his, uh, in his briefing this week. Church, I thought that was a crazy question to ask the president as he's dealing with the coronavirus. Yes, that is a crazy question to ask the president. I mean, we got a whole virus taking over the world right now, and you and you got somebody asking about Joe Exotic. I mean, yeah, the guy's a, the guy's hilarious, and he's must see TV. But I mean, he could stay his butt in jail right now. I mean, we got we got further things to to worry about right now. But Joe Exotic, I mean. <laughs> I hope you're doing well in jail, Matthew. You're going to stay there for a little bit, though. If you have not seen Tiger King, I will tell you this. It's worth it. It is. It, it, it really, it, it is worth it. I, if I was skeptical, for like, do I really want to waste time doing this? I watched it. 
It was good. I binge watched it, and uh, it was same here. Stuff, so, so it was it was good stuff. So I would definitely <laughs> check it out. All right, that is the players' lounge for this week. We appreciate everyone who checked this out. Thank you for your comments on Twitter as well. I try to respond to to those that I can here. So for Danny McCray, Barry Church on Newey Scrolls, and we'll talk to you next Friday, 11 a.m. Central Time, right here on DallasCowboys.com.